Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Two Slips in a Gully. We're here with all sorts of cricketing news and goodness. We've had, uh, well, a slow week by the summer's standards, I suppose, in terms of cricket, but there's still plenty for us to sink our teeth into. And by us, I, of course, mean my co-host. G'day, Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Hello. How are you? Good, good, good. I am good. Uh, I was a bit under the weather for the last couple of days, but uh, I rallied. Got a podcast to do. Can't let the team down. And Aaron, I've got you here. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad, thanks, mate. How you going, guys? Yes, pretty good. <laughs> We've uh, we're on the on the doorstep of the uh, the Indian tour. We're sort of yeah. in that holding pattern where we've just got things to talk about, but not anything to sink our teeth into, but we've got that really big tour just on the horizon. So we won't keep you guys waiting. We'll get stuck into what we're going to talk about. We've got uh, England playing uh, South Africa at the moment. The Big Bash finals have nearly come to a head. Uh, We've got the Allen Border medals. Cricket's Night of Nights have just happened. And the, the, the Big Bash has released its team of the tournament. So we'll have a look at all these sort of things and offer our two thoughts on all of that coming up straight after this. Okay, it's been working so far this year. We seem to be getting a lot off our chest in a short period of time, so uh, I might have to do like a, a like a an intro, like a sound effect to signal it. But we're going to go with lightning round. We're getting the lightning round. I've only got three topics for lightning round, so it's more of a passing storm than a tempest that we've had for the last couple of weeks. But we're going to get straight into that. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the one-day international series play between uh, England and South Africa. Uh, so it's been taking place over in South Africa. Uh, the, some of the big stars have sort of got their, their feet wet in the South African T20 and have then left that to come and 
to, to play for that. There has been some, some big games, and you'd have to say that uh, England, for all of their, their might and glory they've had as the one-day international sort of uh, flag bearers of the last few years, have not really been up to standard, putting up some... Yeah, well, some uh, sub three hundred scores and getting chased down by some yeah, well, finally some good South African batting. Well, that's been the thing. I mean, the South African batting has been pretty spectacular. The wickets have been roadish, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing for me, I, I tuned in when I found out they picked off Racher. This is his first game back. Right. Yeah. One Friday one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, his first game overs. going eight and over. Got Ollie one Stone wicket. as well was in that team. Mm. Okay. So what Ollie Stone went for? Where are we? Seven, um, seven overs for thirty-seven. So between yeah. the two of them, they bowled seventeen overs and went for one hundred and twenty runs. Yeah, not a great start. Um, really exciting to see Rassi Van der Dusen and Temba Bavuma, who was copying a lot of criticism for their domestic from their domestic levels for their white ball teams, um, getting some runs. A uh, bit of a fiery send-off from Sam Curran the other day. He got docked 15% of his match fee for the send-off that he gave uh, Temper of Vuma. They were sort of postulated online. What was, was that issues? after he got the 100? Yeah, was oh, yeah, after he got the 100. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing giving someone a send-off after they've scored a 100? Like, he did his follow-through, like, ran and yelled at his face. It was, it was pretty I would have just laughed at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> especially, well, the game was arguably in the balance at that point. It was probably tipped well yeah. in South Africa's oh, favour, right, but yeah. the, the game yeah. wasn't over at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ben Stokes, as they said, what's gone wrong with England's side at the moment? And uh, Ben Stokes cheekily put up, well, it starts with a, an S and ends in an E, and there's a schedule in the middle. Uh-huh. So obviously complaining that the schedule's too full for, um, yeah, for the England well, side, which I find, I, 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 under, I agree to a point, but you know, there's a lot of those players that are playing franchise, like Joe Root's playing franchise cricket at the moment, and he's unavailable. So, yeah, exactly. you know, the schedule is as... As packed as you make it, exactly. um, so uh, you have choices. I mean, it was interesting that um, Jason Roy came back to form. Oh yeah, he had a great hundred in that first game, yeah, didn't he? That was good to see because he looked like he'd forgotten which bat to hold. Well, I've—he uh, was scratchy to start with again. He really was. He was scratchy to start with, but once he got into his rhythm, was the Jason Roy of old. England will need him for yeah. the World Cup. Oh, they do. definitely. They do him and Bearstow or him and Milan. Milan played really well in both games. You'd imagine Bairstow will take that spot and top of the order so. once he's healthy. Um, Harry Brook got his debut. So, yeah, um, all these up-and-comers for England. Ben Duckett played again in the one-dayer as well. So. They'll be complaining about the schedule, but it is giving them an awful lot of depth heading into a World Cup. But the so only trouble will be we'll be finding what their best 11 is with their, their best 11 not having an option to play together. Uh, next, we've got the, uh, the Big Bash Finals. Yes, well, been a bit of a anti-climax so far. I think the Scorchers have really stamped their authority on all this. They're the team to beat. Well, that was the, the, the Sixers-Scorchers game was the, the big one so far, and they handily they, handled the Sixers. Oh, they were very impressive. All the big guns fired. I'm very impressed with the Heat. Arguably very lucky to got through that first that first game, but like they were comfortably dead and buried last. I just I wrote yeah. them off. like the, the Heat is the Big Bash version of the bye for the first yeah. half of the... The tournament. And then once they got um, once they got things going, Kawaja back and Labashain back, and they just sort of managed to just build on little performances and got themselves. Well, to look, the I think to be fair, that they'd started to turn the corner before, before then, they come yeah. back. Um, I think Jimmy Pearson's been absolutely enormous for the Heat. He is a 
And Nisa. Nisa's yeah, been Nisa, very strong. Yeah, but Pearson is almost becoming the linchpin of that batting line up in the middle there. He's has mm. been outstanding. And, you know, I'm speaking from a biased position because I pretty much had him in my super coach. I had him all the way through too. He, he was yeah. ha- handy enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he done he done plenty for me. So uh, um, We're now coming to that really unfortunate part, which is why we've been screaming for the Big Bash to be a shorter tournament for so long, is so the... The, the gun players in the middle, your Renshaw, um, Kawaja, Lavashane, they're making up a big portion of that top six. Gone. Yep. They're off to India. Steve Smith absolutely set the tournament alight. Um, yep. He's like the third or fourth leading, fifth leading run scorer. He's mm-hmm. got more sixes than anyone in the tournament despite only playing a handful of games. Gone. Five games, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Ashton Agar from the Scorchers, Scorchers gone. gone. All these players that were they were making up sort of significant parts of their teams are now missing the the key games. So you got the Heat Sixes uh, coming up, I believe, tomorrow, and then on the weekend we have the the final. So the winner of that will play the Scorchers. So obviously the final is going to be a little anticlimactic because um, all these these great players that have come back for the end of the tournament aren't there, and then obviously. Almost the entirety of the imports are gone as well. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different looking big bash league, uh, and it's absolutely now than ad- what it is. It's advantage Perth. Yeah. Not only do they have the home final, but you'd have to say they are the least impacted by the departure. Well, I, I was very disappointed by the Sixers fielding though. Yeah, they were pretty. That was or when Dan Christian and Josh Philippi just watched that ball hit the turf. That was that was a circus. Yeah. <laughs> Either one of them could have caught it, and they yeah. just watched it. Yeah. Like, I just think, yeah, the Scorchers. I mean, I was I was all in on the Sixers a couple yeah. of weeks ago. The Scorchers. Who wins out of Heat Sixers? Oh, heart says Sixers oh, because I'm a Sydney boy originally, but I think the Heat have got momentum. Perfect point for me. Um, I'm going uh, Sixers because I think the Sixers were a better team without Smith than the Heat are without Kawaja, Renshaw, Lavishane and, Lavish- and those yeah. guys. So I th- and Swepson will be gone as well from them. Yeah. So I think the yeah, it's just going to be the Sixers without Smith are already a, a good side. Yeah. The Heat without those players were languishing at the bottom. I think they're going to be one of the, the they're going to be one of the pretenders. They they got there and then the guys that got them there are now gone. Yeah, uh, I give them the punches chance. I really do. If the if the guys who they've got there perform, you know, yeah, yeah, it's one game. Yeah. All right, and the last one is just uh, some comments that uh, Usman Kawaja made a few uh, probably last week, week before, sometime. Um, in regards to diversity, racial diversity in uh, Australian cricket, and saying that uh, you know if a, a white coach was looking at had two players of equal value, one being you know a, a, a coloured player and one being um, a white kid, that he would be. Um, was this this week or was it on the test that we saw it? Nah, no, he, he said it outside of the test. Yeah. Um, the, the the coach would be more willing to go with the white kid because the white kid looked like his son, and you know there's in you know. This inherent favor, inherent bias towards white players, and and it's a very valid point. I'm not dismissing Kawaja's point. What if the I'm, coach is coloured? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not dismissing Kawaja's point, and obviously, uh, unconscious or conscious racial bias is something that we need to be looking out for in terms of our progressing forward in all sports. But just in a little context, there, 
I went back through, and obviously this is not an absolutely true indication of how this is going, but going through the, the highest youth representative level that you can get being the under-19s team for Australia, going back a number of World Cups, I think on roughly in my, the research I did was probably, you can probably go back about 10 years, 9 or 10 years now. There have been, for most of these World Cups, at least two. One, there was one World Cup where we took one, but most of them had two. The current under-19s team playing in a test against the under-19s England side in Brisbane this week has two players of South Asian descent, which roughly gives you a 20% um, representation. representation rate of the entire side. In terms of Australia's population, it's less than seven. So... I think it's roughly about if you for, for Indians it's about five, and then when you factor in Sri Lankans, it gets a little bit higher. But it's it's less than seven percent. So when you've got twenty percent, you almost have three times your national saturation representing this. So I think that it's a little overblown. It's something we definitely need to be conscious about um, for sure. And Kawajas obviously would have lived through a lot of. Um, perceived bias going through the ranks as a young child, but I, I don't think that there is a widespread racial problem when you're looking at that. When you're looking at the under-19 side and they've got three times the national representation level in that, I think you can see that there are things that are on the right track. Um, that's a very good point. I think Osman's statement is extremely valid in other ways. When you look at pure statistical analysis like we've just done there, um, it sort of waters it down a little bit. Oh, it does, certainly but doesn't tell the as, whole story. As uh, you know, I've, I've done some pretty elite coaching in my younger days back in Sydney, and you just didn't get the kids of South Asian descent coming through because they weren't encouraged to play. They didn't have Chiqui to follow in his in his footsteps. Well, well so Richard, Richard Chiqui was an out. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That's right. This one's important. We can. Yeah, we can. It's important. Yeah, he, yeah. I did the under like under fifteens for um, the Canary Western Suburbs District. And out of a spot of 25 players, I didn't have one dark kid. No Aboriginal, no South Asian, no anybody. They were all white private school kids. Yeah. Who had been selected by their clubs to come to this elite camp. And without giving away your age, you were probably doing that a, a reasonably significant period of time ago. Well, we're talking 30 years. So I think the game, especially the youth, the representation of youth cricket in Australia has come a long way in that time. And, and obviously there are so many steps to go. Uh, uh, the fact that we've only had two Aboriginal players for Australia since the original team that went over to England is something that is a bit, a bit damning. And I don't think it's because that we don't pick them. I just think that Aboriginal kids aren't playing cricket. And so that would be a thing that Cricket Australia be looking into. How do we get more Aboriginal kids playing? Um, and I think that's largely it's it's the encouragement we need to be getting kids coming through at a grassroots level. I don't think that there's a systemic issue where we're just no, you are no, Pakistani, you're Indian, you're Sri Lankan, you're Aboriginal, you're you know yeah. South African, yeah. you're you know we can't. We, no, we there's can't no this thing where you can't play. It's just yeah. that we it's been obviously like most cricket in in predominantly white countries. It's Cricket has been a, um, a wealthy, um, private school-educated yeah. way of doing things. And we have a, a, a friend of ours who's going through that system, and it's not necessarily racial bias, but it's very much 
who you know. Like there are some really pedantic things that can separate kids mm. of the same skill set. Like does yeah. the kid's father get along with the president of the club? The president of the club. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then you might find that will be the tiebreaker. So it can be things as like has the kid brushed his hair neatly when he comes to the team meetings? And that can all little – or is his shirt untucked? And they're all little things that, especially for New South Wales cricket, where there's such um, – They're very old-school traditions. Oh, and there's so much competition for spots yeah. that the some very pedantic things can be yeah. separating. There's, there's probably some cultural difference there as well. Like, uh, I mean, like, maybe people's idea of neatness is different from country to country, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not talking just between South. I'm talking just all kids in general. Like yeah. we've we've had a, a a friend of ours whose son has been going through this, and you know he's you know he's involved in the the local cricket association. So and and then because of that, has a lot of lia- liaising with cricket New South Wales. So sort of he's behind the scenes a little bit, and can and just yeah, he's saying some of the really eye opening ways about how they sort of split hairs and things yeah. that they. That coaches just write kids off for. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, the the whole thing. There are flaws to the system, but I don't necessarily think racial bias is a, a is predominant a, one. No, look, but it is one that we need to not rest on our laurels and make sure that it is doesn't become an issue. Yeah. So while I, I completely commend and and Kawaja yeah. for for coming out and saying what he said, just some background to that being, I think that. As we're getting along now with a, a larger population of um, South Asian people in Australia, they're of course having kids, and so now they're actually they're, they're Australians. Their, their parents may have come from Pakistan or India or Sri Lanka or wherever. They've moved to Australia, and now they're born in Australia, so they are Australians. They're not Pakistanis. They're, so they're Australian kids, and they're they're now coming through, growing up and playing cricket. And I we, think we've seen it a lot. I mean, the reason I mentioned my experiences previously is just to illustrate the. How far, the, how, how far we actually have come where 30 years ago it just wasn't done, you know. Like I did, I couldn't tell you how many Kanga cricket coaching clinics I did in the inner west over a three-year period and I think I maybe had two Indian kids or South Asian kids turn up in three years because they were scared of, their parents didn't want them to, I guess, become Australianised. If that makes sense, but as part of the uh, part of the melting pot, they had very strict ideas about how cricket should be played, and they mm. didn't like the way that we played it in our country or whatever it happened to be. And it took a long time in in that particular area where I was working to break down those barriers. I mean, now that you know, I'm sure every second kid coming through would be of overseas descent. Mm. Well, there's um, I can't. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. I'm really sorry. I, I should have researched, but I only just occurred to me at this point. So I apologise. But there's a young kid who played in the last under 19s Australian World Cup, who's like his 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 gimmick, for lack of a better word, was that he could yeah. bowl left, left and right handed, yeah. and yeah. he got a he got a first class debut for Tasmania in the, the last Sheffield Shield season. I um, think it's pronounced Lloyd Pope. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they are starting to filter through, and yeah. um, the right steps are clearly being taken. Um, so, uh, just something that, it, and it, you would it, ignore the rich culture and the rich heritage of their cricketing backgrounds at your peril. Mm. I mean, look, they dominate the world pretty much at the moment in the, in most in most cricketing formats. Um, 
they're it's, certainly up there in amongst the very best in the world and are going to be up there for the foreseeable future. And it's just something that I wanted to express because I know that it, while valid, without context, things can be taken quite a long way, especially um, on, Fox Sports. on Fox Sports and things like that, that while, yes, that is something that we need to address, but when you're looking at it statistically from those numbers, that when you've got a 5 to 7% saturation in the population, but yet consistently you're representing 20% of the under-19s representative side, you know, things are going the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and guaranteed, a lot of those kids that are coming through, they're already in state systems. Oh, so yeah, for they're, sure. They're going to progress the well, first class. Well, Jason and Tanby Sanger are their guys that have, no. you know, they're um, integral parts of the New South Wales system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there'd be countless and, more coming The through. young fella down in Victoria, can't, there's a guy of... Um, yeah, Sri Lankan descent. I can't pronounce his name. He batted at three he, and yeah, got like got, the longest yeah. time to take score of first class hundred or something yeah. like that. Looks really good. He's got a couple of games for him. So, yeah. um, have yeah, for so, a senior or something? Is it? Oh, I'm not, I'm not even yeah, going to try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I if I if, if, if I knew I needed to bring him up, I would have looked up his yeah. name beforehand. But I yeah yeah again yeah. It didn't occur to me until just then. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that. That'll do. It was lightning rounds. The the storm sort of rumbled around and didn't disappear, but we we got through. So yeah, that'll get uh, mm-hmm. get that done. And after this, we'll have a chat about the uh, Big Bash team of the tournament. So earlier today, the BBL announced its team of the tournament, and uh, it includes Steve Smith, despite only being there for, what, a third of the tournament, if that. Uh, Such was the impact that Smudge had. Not bad for a guy that can't play T20 cricket, if you listen to all of the armchair experts out there. Uh, So it's headlined by Matt Short, who was recently named the T20 player of the tournament, uh, the player of the T20 tournament in the Allen Board Medal Award. So he opens the batting alongside Steve Smith. Uh, Aaron Hardy, who I think we all predicted was going to have a big tournament before the start of the... The, the tournament, he's at yeah. three. What a star he's starting to I noticed become. that he bowled his four overs now. Yeah. The semi-finals. <laughs> Annoyingly. Yeah, right after where these yeah, scores don't mean anything yeah. to super coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Finch was at four and captains the side. Josh Inglis is at five. Tim David's at six. Michael Nisa, uh, Sean Abbott, AJ Ty, Tom Rogers and Paddy Dooley makes up the rest of the side with Chris Lynn at, as 12th man. What do we think? What do we feel about the uh, about the side, guys? Generally, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. Oh, is it just me? Why is Aaron Finch here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, well, Finch, you know, oh, he's he's not, not by his normal standards, yeah. um, but he did have a, a, a good tournament. I do feel that a lot of his yeah. scores were in low-scoring run chases where he had to sort of hold the innings together, which is not an easy thing to do. You shouldn't discount what he did based on that. Yeah. But there were a lot of times when the game needed him to be Aaron Finch, and he wasn't, and they lost. Mm. Um, and then he sort of got to play this glue guy sort of role, and he made it work. So he ended up being the fourth leading run scorer for the tournament, but yeah. only at a it's strike very, rate of 120. It, which it is, very much felt like we don't have a number. He was playing for red ink, you know. At like, times, I felt he was too. Yeah, um, I want to be there right at the end and get the and get the nut out. He, he had a few games where that's what he needed to do, and he did it. So, yeah. I, I'm like, as much as I want to criticize, I don't think he's done. He, it's mm. not a good enough tournament I, I, to say I think, that. I think, like, like similarly, like there are a lot of games where he created that pressure on his teammates. Yeah. 
by being so slow. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's a, yeah. that's the point I was just about to make. 100%. Yeah. You know, 100%. Like when you're going, you're 10 off 20 balls, man, in a T20, you've used up, what, so you've used up nearly 20% of the balls to make 10 runs. Yeah. And he did that a couple of times. So I That's mean, why I, I, I'm well, just looking yeah. at him and thinking to myself, surely there's somebody else who you could have put well, in there at number I might four. have even put Chris Lynn in there at four. Yeah. Well, he, I he also... He was outstanding this year, actually. I also wouldn't have minded if they dropped Finch, shuffled everyone up, and then brought in uh, um, Ash Turner in the middle order somewhere. Yeah. 13 innings, 328 runs at 41, 350s and a strike rate of 153, and played a clutch innings to get them over the top of the sixes. Like, yeah. um, I thought he was really unlucky. I mean, are we allowed to count that innings? Because that was in the 70s and not everyone... Got to play semi. Oh, but he, I'm not. This is. I just think he's done that a couple of times throughout the tournament. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Played yeah, some, yeah. Some, no, some no big knocks. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit dirty on him because I missed him a couple of times. I had him and he had some low scores, and then I traded him out because he was still good. It's hard because he bats so low. Yeah, you, you do, yeah. You, you he's really sort of becoming that um hmm. that that lethal sort of finisher for the six. He's had that knock. He's done that for Australia as well. Yeah. Like yeah. batting in a lower order and just big hitting, finishing. He's just never sort of stayed healthy enough and or consistent enough to really lock himself into like future like uh, yeah. national honours. Yeah. Are, we, are we discounting him for national honours from this point? I would say that his age is not on his side, yeah. um, especially with yeah. some young players coming through. Um, um, I, I, but I would never discount him. I pose an interesting question here: is that with the longevity that T20 cricket provides for a lot of these guys all around the world, are we looking at pushing how old is too old out a little bit these oh, days? Absolutely. Um, yeah. The thing is, as well, I would say that Tim David plays the same role that we would need Ash yeah. Turner to play for the Australian side, yeah. Yeah. and I would rather persist with. Tim David. Then, oh, Tim David definitely needs to be persistent with. I look. I, I thought he had a, a reasonable tournament this year, David. Um, like we were talking before, he did what he needed to do, and a couple of times he got was runs. He was really the second high strike rate of anyone that scored over 150 runs. I think yeah. Steve Smith, mind you, has the highest strike rate of like a genuine batsman that's played, <laughs> which is, you know, no, again, not bad for Smitty because apparently he's too slow to play T20 cricket. Yeah. Um, another player I thought was unlucky, and I know that injuries are the reason that he's not in there, but when you factor in that Smith only played, what, four games? Five. Five games. Jai Richardson played seven. Yeah. 15 wickets at 12, strike rate of 11, mm-hmm. an economy of 6.7. Oh, he was just insane yeah. at the first part of the season. He was absolutely um, brilliant. So and those are much better numbers in terms of your strike rate and your average and your economy than all the other bowlers, yeah. all of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so I was just, if he stayed healthy, he was in for a ripper, ripper tournament. Maybe they they don't want to encourage him for getting injured. Keep doing it. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> he he must be like seriously. He's got to be cursed. You know, Do you think he just goes too hard? Is it like, you know, when Watto used to bowl high 130s and would just break himself? Does he need to... No, I think... Like, I'm not sure what it is with Jai Richardson. I think you look at the guy bowling and just go, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And we think that you can't make our test team. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he, he would... If, if he played... T- if, you know, if there was a black hole that absorbed the New South Wales 
quartet. Yeah. He would quite comfortably play 50, 60 games if he stayed healthy for yeah. Australia and average in the low tw- like mid to low 20s. Yeah. So Anywhere else in the world, he's, he's first choice bowler. He'll come back, he'll come back a decade later with a team from the other side of the black hole. <laughs> <laughs> Interdimensional cricket. Um, so... Yeah, so I'm reasonably happy with the, the, the soil they picked. I do think Nisa at seven might be a fraction too high. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but having said that, he has had some reasonable performances. But, and one thing he does do when, when he comes out at number seven, he don't muck around. Oh, yeah. He just yeah. comes out, first ball, whatever ball, just goes for it. The other one that I, re- I wanted to point out, and I think possibly could oust someone like Tom Rogers. Despite Tom Rogers having a real breakout season, I think it's very impressive considering he doesn't currently have a first-class yeah. contract, if I'm right, could be wrong. But Nathan coulton Isles quietly had an elite year. 11 matches, 16 wickets at 18, an economy of 6.7. Yeah. Which, again, all of those guys' was economies was well into the sevens, yeah. those, those fast bowlers. So when you're doing that, playing the strike bowler, taking 16 wickets for the tournament at less than seven, um, yeah. Yeah, Nathan Coulton, oh, again, showing that age is no barrier for T20 success at the moment. Well, that's yeah. the whole thing. That's why I kind of made the point is that we, you know, when we're talking about Ashton Turner maybe being a little bit past it, I mean, these days I think if you've had your ups and downs and you're a reasonable player, you've got you up like elite level aspirations, you're not out of it oh. once you turn 30. No, I would think more the age of his contemporaries or his his competition yeah. is what's keeping Turner out, more than the fact that, oh, Turner's 30, whatever it is, 32, no. he's had it. It's yeah. more that you're looking at, all right, who are we going to drop for, for Turner? And the, the obvious answer would be Tim David, and Tim David's in his no. early 20s, his yeah. mid-20s. No. So... Mm-hmm. It's no, age, it's, age is the tiebreaker, I always, I always think yeah, that. This is not a case that these guys are put a line through and cannot play again, but it's like if you've got a player that's, you know, mm. I would say that Turner and David are probably, you know... Very similar. Very similar sort of players, and I'm taking the, the 20-something-year-old over yeah. the 30-something-year-old. I think the thing is, too, like, if, you, if you're really looking to get a, a couple of overs out of somebody as well. That gives Turner the edge because he's probably a little bit better bowling David. I've seen David bowling one game. The issue with Turner, though, is his shoulder is held on by children's wishes and gaffer tape and yeah, it's yeah. not feeling right. You can't get any overs out of on him. On the plus yeah. side, his name is A. Turner. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a little bit of movement. And also Steve Smith, you know, used to be a bowler. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. change himself into a batsman. Yeah. Um, it's a good strike rate. <laughs> what about... um? Young Paddy Dooley. Oh, Dooley was excellent. Excellent. Definitely the pick of the spinners. I kept waiting for him to fall in a hole. Dooley was better than Rashid Khan for the time that he played. Mm -hmm. And Rashid Khan is a hell of a T20 player, and Paddy Dooley had him covered the whole tournament. Not just the fact that Khan left early. Dooley was the better better option to have him be built the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. The, well, whole the impressive thing about him is his versatility, isn't it? Like he comes in, he can bowl in the power play, he bowls in the middle overs. He, he hasn't really bowled right at the death, but he certainly yeah. bowled as late he's, as he's bowled in some of the power surges, though, yeah. um, with mixed success. But he has yeah. been an option that they've used. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually quite intrigued by the guy because, for all intents and purposes, I mean, if you, the first time you see him, if you know he's like a whatever, he's just a finger spinner. All the arms and all the gimmick and stuff like that. Just finger spin. Flips the ball out in front of his head. That's all he does. Mm. Yeah, well, whatever works for him. I would like to see him maybe get on some 
on some tools or maybe get himself like a Caribbean Premier League contract or something like mm, that to see yeah. him get out but about I, I, I the world. He, the, the way he bowls, it, it allows him to get lots of different kinds of spin. Like yeah. He gets a lot of overspin on one of yeah. his and it dips. Yeah. You know, and, and he can bowl different speeds without it affecting yeah. his accuracy. Yeah. That's, well. that's the thing about him, I think. Mark, Mark Waugh had him on the plane in India. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Mark, settle down. I think that's a, a little bit <laughs> premature, Mr. Waugh. But, yeah. um, hey, look, certainly somewhere, if he progresses, you want to see him do it again next year. Yeah. And maybe possibly get himself yeah. a, a Before he plays of... tests, maybe he should play a first-class game yeah. or maybe a 50-over game for we, uh, Tassie. We, we keep saying this, don't we? But it seems to be the pathway's going a little the, bit away from that. There's now. also a lot yeah. of recency bias and Mark Ward just saying things to get noticed because you know that's the best way to make your money as a, as a cricket pundit is just to say yeah. stuff that gets you noticed. Yeah. Um, two guys wanted to bring up as well. No, no bearing on the team of the tournament. There, they weren't there, but just impressive tournaments. One being Todd Murphy. Yeah, he was um, great. Eight matches, eight wickets, seventeen with economy of six point two. So you know that's a leap for a finger spinner. Um, six point two did a really good job yeah. of tying people down. Um, really happy to see that you know hyper exposed now in sort of the you know the pick of the aggressive tournaments for the country and and did a really good job. The other one was Will Sutherland. Yes. Um, sort of a breakout one. He's, he's always been a guy that sort of just, he's been in Renegades, set, set up for so long and never really delivered on any sort of level at all. This year, 210 runs at 30 with a strike rate of 150. And that's largely due to the fact that they wouldn't bat him high is the reason he can score more runs. Yeah. Looked very confident with the bat. Finished off a number of innings quite well. Yeah. Um, bowling needs some work. Only seven wickets at 53. And the economy at eight and a half. But um, I don't know. I think he looked, he looked good. I think, think maybe he was a little unlucky. Yeah, yeah, the, the, stats, the stats don't show how well he bowled, but you'd yeah. like to see a little more impact out of him. But I just I think yeah. this is a really good corner-turning uh, year. for Because he's already having strong Marsh Cup mm. and a strong Sheffield Shield year. And now he's finally put it all together in the big bash. You can really see him growing he, into that he's, player he's for all been occasions. He's a fantastic fielder. Yeah. He's, he's got that for him. So he's, he's got all three disciplines firing. There might be now some competition to who, who's better out of the Sutherland children because Annabelle's had it over him for a while, I think. And yeah. Annabelle is elite in her, in her category. Mm. And uh, Will's certainly coming along. I still think he's a better long-form player than he is a short-form player, but it's good to see he's turning the court. I really found a niche as that sort of... Um, late order finisher for the Renegades. And I, yeah, I think we talked about this previously. He was clearly un- underutilised with the bat. I mean, a couple of times he had to go in and, you know, like, you, you're leaving the guy too much to do, for starters. Yeah. They did mention it in the broadcast a couple of times. Only okay. a couple? <laughs> <laughs> Every Renegades game after Andre Russell left. Why sure. are they giving uh, Will Sutherland more of a bat? <laughs> Brad Hodge just had it tattooed on his arm. <laughs> Will should bat higher. It was almost like they were fixing drinking games. Like they had some like yeah. nephews that they knew were at uni playing drinking games. They were just like, we'll stuff them up here. We'll just say it like 50 times and they'll be drunk by 9.30. <laughs> like, well, yeah. You could do that or you could play the Ferris Bueller game. <laughs> no, not the Ferris Bueller game. You have experience I have that one. Oh. Do I? I don't remember. <laughs> We've just had Australian Cricket's Night of Nights. And for those of you that aren't aware, it is, of course, the Allen Border Medal, 
where they hand out awards from everything from the young cricketer of the year to the test player of the year to the overall player of the year for both men and women's cricket. Uh, big night of nights, black tie event, really one of those ones that you just love to snag an invite to and just watch, just even even if you didn't get a drink, just sit there in the back and just watch it all unfold. It is you know, cricket glamour personified. So we're going to go through the awards. Can you actually buy tickets to the Allen Bar? I have no idea. Oh, oh, wouldn't that be an excellent two slips on the Gully Road trip? <laughs> we, we, once we get oh, famous oh, yeah, enough, yeah. we can get media coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just put our camo on and just yeah. get in there. <laughs> I think... I think the easiest thing might be to try and get into a get, become the other half of one of the Australian women's or men's team. Just become their better half. Get a marry into it. Ha- hang along like Annabelle Sutherland or someone like that as their plus one. Oh yeah, that'd be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we'll do you think is more likely? <laughs> probably us sneaking in as one of the janitors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, well, I've got wait. I've got waiter experience. I could probably flute my way in with a tray of drinks. Yeah, yeah. they wouldn't know after about three or four who was in there. Yeah, that's well, it. We, all, we all know Glenn McGrath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, We're practically cricket royalty yeah. by association. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll start off with the awards. So we'll go from the, the bottom of the awards to the top. Uh, so the Community Impact Award went to Usman Khawaja, which I think is a perfectly justified award. Seeing some of the stuff that he was doing in the in the test with his, you know, yeah. talking to to Muslim students and things like that, and getting them, you know, involved in cricket. Uh, the Bradman Young Cricketer of the Award went to Lance Morris. Oh yeah. Before the awards, I put forward sort of my predictions, and I had um, uh, Todd Murphy or Lance Morris as my picks to. Steve Morrison would have been good, but I think Lance Morris has probably had he's a had role. A, he's had a crack at season. Uh, a much more in, impactful season. And that's not to detract from Murphy because he's been very good too. Uh, the Betty Wilson young cricketer went to Courtney Sipple. The men's domestic player of the year, I printed this one correctly, so I was proud of this, went to Michael Nisa, And I think it was comfortably Michael Nisa. He's dominated both Marsh Cup and Sheffield Shield. Done a really good job. I he think, had a good big bash too. I think we're all pretty happy with the Nice getting that tournament. We love Michael Nisa. <laughs> uh, the Women's Domestic Player of the Year went to Annabelle Sutherland. Funny enough, we were just talking about her uh, being yeah. the, the better of the Sutherland children, so well done to her. Oh, she's um she's elite now. Oh, yeah, She's one sure. of the world elite all-rounders. She really is. Uh, yeah, a walk-up start to the Australian team. The fact that she doesn't get to play every game just shows how much depth there is oh, in no, Australian it's cricket. It's um, the Weber WBBL player of the tournament went to Ashley Gardner, who, uh, again, I don't think we have any issues with that. She no. has been absolutely electric. She's just an elite, another elite player of, of our elite group. Uh, the KFC BBL player of the tournament, as we've already talked about, went to Matt Short, who I, that just, what, Absolutely deserved. 11 wickets and the 400-odd runs he scored, 250s and 100. And the impact that he has. Oh, yeah. The impact Definitely. that he has. Do you um, reckon in the a team that was pretty average, really, when you yeah. think about how the, how the strikers performed through the season, he was an absolute they, they shining really light. They petered out at the end, didn't they? Yeah, they were, fair, they were pretty poor, really, at the end. Yeah, maybe they had too much KFC. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Can you have too much KFC? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Uh, the male T20 player of the year went to Marcus Stoinis. Uh, um, I'm going to circle back to that because I've got some words to say yeah. about that one. The female T20 player of the year went to Talia McGrath. 
Yeah, the names just keep rolling off, don't they? These incredible women cricketers that we have. Mm. Um, when that WIPL auction comes up, I expect her to be right at the top of the bidding tree. So would I. I think. Oh, that. Uh, pretty sure that was my pick for number one. If it wasn't, I can't imagine who I picked ahead of her. Mm. Um, uh, the men's ODI Player of the Year, and we will circle back to this because I've got some issues with this one as well. Is David Warner? Nothing. I'm saying nothing. Uh, the women's ODI Player of the Year went to Beth Mooney. Um, yeah. Okay. Another elite woman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. These yeah. are all time. These are going to be all time greats of their game. Uh, Beth Mooney actually already is. The uh, the first time this award has gotten this name, the inaugural Shane Warnes Men's Test Player of the Year went to Usman Khawaja. Uh, what a comeback from Uzi. Like, yeah. And let, let's not face it, I think it, was, it predates you a little bit, but the majority of the time we spent on this podcast was me talking about how he's washed up and we don't need to go back to that oh, well. You remember we worked together. <laughs> <laughs> We've discussed it frequently. Um, and and in fairness, statistically, that was all accurate. He was really struggling. Went back to Shield, really struggled, but he's just clicked. He's enjoying his cricket again. He's come back. Thousand runs in a calendar year, been a linchpin at the top of the order, been a fantastic return for Uzi, and it's great to see him being rewarded with um, with some hardware because he he has turned it around and he has really made himself like it's been a proper renaissance for Uzi, and it's it's great to see. Yeah, look, um, he's confounded the critics, hasn't he? Yeah. It really it's has. inspiring. Cricket's a, a yeah. funny game. It doesn't matter how far you're down. It's hard to keep a good player down. Absolutely. Uh, the Belinda Clark Award goes to Beth Mooney. That's for the Women's Player of the Year. Uh, again, perfectly justified with Beth Mooney. She has been phenomenal. Every time the girl goes out to bat, she just bashes people. <laughs> Essentially, she does. And, and she, but, I mean, when you... Bashes is probably not the right word. She's more like a surgeon. Yeah, she cuts you to pieces. I went, just... I went and watched the, the women's test in the Ashes um, down in Monica last year, and yeah, she was fantastic to watch. Just seeing seeing her live was just dead. She's oh. a she's a very special player. And the Alan Border Medal for the men's player of the year, bringing it up for the fourth time. So he has equaled the feat with Ricky Ponting and Michael Clark as the only other four-time recipients. And I have a hard time saying that this would be his last woes to Steve Smith. Um, mm. Averaged over 50 across all formats this year. Uh, all some, formats? Some fantastic... Well, when you combine all of his oh, runs right. together, okay. not uh, yeah, in yeah. each format. Um He's had some phenomenal one-day international knocks. Obviously, he's been a fantastic test player as well. Um, yeah, what a what a man that he is. He is like he's just one of he's one of the all-time greats. He's well on track to being the second player picked after Bradman, and not just for Australia. Gap between him and the guy who came second too. Oh yeah, he ran away with it. Absolutely ran away. My, with my it. only issue with it: no problem with Steve Smith winning it at all. But you look at the top six, and where is Nathan Lyon? Yeah, well, that was the point that I wanted to make with the two the two awards that I wanted to circle back to. Yeah. So the One Day International Player of the Year and the T20 International Player of the Year, if this these awards, the recipients of these awards don't spell out that One Day Cricket and T20 Cricket is a batsman's game, then nothing else will. No disrespect to Dave Warner because he had a, a fairly strong One Day International Year. I think he had 100 and a couple of 50s at about 45. Um, the, the winner should have been Adam Zampa. Adam Zampa's 2022, 12 matches, 
30 wickets, four four-wicket hauls, a five-wicket haul, 17 is an average, strike rate of 21, an economy under five. That is excellent. And when you think about it, you, you roughly work it out that 100 is equal to five wickets. So a five-wicket haul is the same as a century. Now, in, in one-day international cricket where wickets are harder to come by, it's not often that you bowl a team out, they're worth even more. So what we're saying is that he's scored 80 four times. Mm-hmm. When it's, and it's worth more than that. But if you just, the, just the basic working it out, he scored 84 times in that mm-hmm. with 100. So he's got 100 and 380-plus scores when you're working out as a batsman. You know, a bowling average of 17, a strike rate of 21. So he's taking a wicket every 21 balls. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the one-day player of the year. He is. It, it's just the fact that we've given it to Warner because he's had that well, he scored 90-odd against Zimbabwe when we scored 150-odd as a whole team. Um, he scored 100. Like, that's – Warner had a, a, a good year. Yeah. But was it an award-winning year? I don't when think so. When you've got a player like Zam putting up numbers like that, I don't think so. No. And Zampa has every right to feel miffed. Because, yet again, I think it's – yeah, it's like we said, T20 in one day is a batsman's game. And the recognition just isn't there for the for the for elite bowlers. Well, and the thing is that Stoinis, Stoinis again had a nice year. I wouldn't say it was an elite year. No. None of our batters had elite years. Josh Hazelwood should have won the T Twenty International Player of the Year. No. Seventeen matches, twenty six wickets at eighteen, strike rate of fourteen, and a seven and a half economy rate. No. Well, Absolutely no. Again, it's the batsman bias that. And, like, and he had two four-wicket hauls in that. One of them was four for 12. Yeah. Like, and if, like in a test match, 100 runs is five wickets, and it's more imbalanced when you get to a one-day. It's got to be even more imbalanced when you get to a T20. Like, so four wickets is worth 100 easily in a T20 game. Yeah. Easily in a T20 game. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Is, do you think it's too many awards for them to have a batting award and a bowling award? I, I don't think it needs to go that far. I just think you need to start paying bowlers their dues. Like, yeah. when you've got a bowler having, like, a bowler that averages 17 in one-day international cricket with four five, four wicket hauls is way better than an opening batsman averaging mid-40s. Like, it just is. And I just think it's time yeah. that you... And I, I believe it's a... it's a Is it a 3-2-1 vote throughout yeah, the course who, of the who's year? Who's doing those 3 twos and ones I, I just think at some point you need to be really starting to... Because I'm pretty sure... Correct me if I'm wrong, viewers or listeners out there, but that's how it works. Over the course of the the whole year, the players at the performances are given a 3-2-1 in terms of what their value was that game. That gets all added up and voted on by the end of the year, and that's what gives Man. the score. I just think you need to start giving these bowlers more credit for what they do like a you know a, a five for 32 is worth a lot more than a hundred yeah. in a one day game oh, oh, absolutely yeah. any sort of five wicket haul in a limited overs game is worth its weight in and gold. so when you've got yeah a, you're probably rolling aside yeah if, if one bowler gets five wickets yeah you know, you're probably gonna you're win probably gonna they're not gonna bat the 50 yeah and you know most of the time when they don't bat the 50 they're not gonna win uh, yeah. I just think it, yeah, it's time that we don't need to have multiple awards about as in bowlers. You just need to be giving bowlers more of a credit, especially in one-day internationals and T20s where it is so batting dominated that if you've got uh, if you've got a, a a good performance as a batsman, 
like, and you've got a good performance as a bowler, the, the good performance as a bowler is inherently worth more. Uh, it's just because it's so uh, it's so much easier to dominate the game with batting hand than it is before. Yeah, I well, mean, that, that's why guys like Rashid Khan became so phenomenal. Is how they just dry you up in in that limited overs in the twenty in the T twenty format. He's just impossible to score off. Well, yeah, you know and that's elite. He might he might go one for twenty off his four overs, but he stopped yeah, but you from scoring runs. There might need to be a little bit more. Analysis and yeah. how they get the points. I, I've noticed that Crick Info has a uh, impact value. They uh, they analyze the impact um, of the performance of the performance. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure. It seems like that more looks at yeah, obviously what you've actually done the, rather than the game perceptions of how you've. Because it's, it's, it's funny like, because they they publish. They actually go all right. This person was given player of the match. But our impact player of the match was this person, and they were usually different. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe with a little bit more analysis, they'll get a bit of. Yeah, I just think there's just a general feeling that. Yeah, I think um, it's just a gut feel that they ask one of the. And it's in all three formats too. I mean, Nathan Lyon was elite this year in Test. Zamp has been absolutely brilliant, and Hazel has been absolutely brilliant. But not one of them has won anything. Yeah. Well, well, Hazel would have been tough to, for well, Tess because injured he's been lot. injured quite a lot. Same with Bailey Cummings. Yeah, but I'm talking about like in the formats, you know. So yeah. Lyon's taken 50 wickets. Yeah. They're 50 wickets. Mm. Well, he's, he's stayed healthy, but I think it was 50 at about 30. 47 wickets at 30. Yeah. Uh, oh. Three, five wicket hauls. Which is good. It's very good for an off spinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, is. And I, and I mean, if we look back at those five wicket hauls, they've been match turning five wicket hauls. Yeah. Oh yeah, playing it over some really hard conditions. Like he got one of those five wicket hauls over in um, was it? It was Sri Lanka yeah, in the game Sri Lanka, we won. Yeah. So yeah, like, and then some like the Pakistan ones where he had to do a lot of work on wickets that weren't giving him anything. Yeah, which just so blows your average out, obviously. Because what did he average over in Pakistan? About forty-five or something. Yeah, but he was. It was just the fact there was nothing going. Yeah. Um, and Mitchell Stark is one that I think you'll find. So thirty-five wickets at twenty-eight, an economy of three, strike rate of fifty-five. So that's that's pretty good going there as well. It's not quite elite, elite, but um, oh, well, he, he again had to play a lot of games on subcontinent wickets where nothing was going on. So, and, and that's another guy that, again, you're looking at those stats in a vacuum. You're like, well, that's not amazing. But when you look at it, going, well, actually, no, we played three tests over in Pakistan and two over in Sri Lanka, and did the job as well as you could imagine over there, trying to get some reverse swing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I just think in general these awards highlight that cricket is a batsman's game because you can't tell me that David Warner, who did have a good year, had an award-winning year when you've got Zampa sitting on the sidelines with an average of 11, a strike rate of 21 and an economy of under five yeah. in a game now that's where teams are regularly pushing well over 300. Yeah. Well, yeah. 350 is becoming yeah. almost a, a new, you've done well if you got to 350. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe Zampa upsets the apple cart by speaking his mind. Yeah, he's a bit con- he can be a bit controversial, can't he? Yeah. Um, to say to come I, out I, I and like say that. I like I like a per- yeah. person being genuine and 
to come out and say how disappointed you were and you felt a bit stitched up by Cricket Australia promising you were going to India and they're not preparing you. Well, historically they don't like that. (laughs) No. That's, um, however, I think he's in in elite enough company that he'll He'll be past that. Oh, yeah. uh, Zeb is 100% on the money, though. Like, when you're being paraded around the white ball teams forever and you never get an opportunity to go and play first-class cricket, and, and let's face it, he's now moved back to New South Wales where he's behind Nathan Lyon. So if he is available, usually Lyon is available as well, no. and, he, and he's finding it hard to get a go. But if you're continually excelling at white ball cricket and you get told that, um, you know, get some red ball cricket into you and we're really seriously looking at you for, for India, you'd be thinking that, like, all right, they're, if they're going to the point of telling me this, that must be that I'm really right in the... In a, Is there a bit, a bit of a hint of this in the whole Glenn Maxwell in the test thing where they were telling him, you know, you, you're going, so you're probably going to play, you're probably going to play, you're probably going to play, and then he didn't need to play? Ah, uh, well, look, I'm, I'm not too... I don't think anything, we need anything unfair to Maxwell from what we saw in, in the test. Yeah, was just Ma- Maxwell was there to replace Travis Head, yeah, and Travis Head got paid. Yeah. So I'm not... Uh, where we screwed up Maxwell was after he scored that 100 in India and then was dropped for the home series, yeah. and then we dropped Pete Hanscom. Maxwell had been pillaging runs for Victoria, one of the last times he's actually managed to get out and play for Victoria, yeah. and then we picked Mitch Marsh yeah. to replace... Um, Pete Hanscom in 2017. That's when we screwed up. Like Maxwell's done everything that you can ask for a number six to come in. Uh, he's scored runs for Australia. He's gone back to Shield and he's shown that his form's carried through Shield. And then we go and pick an all-rounder that had no form to speak of. Yeah, it's just that. That's when we screwed up Maxwell. Um, but yeah, I'm going circling back to the um, the Alan Border medal result before we fall down that rabbit hole and never come back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, on the whole, I think it's it was a great event. Uh, obviously, if you have time to go to Google and look up some of the photos, you can see the, the cricketers in there uh, all dressed to the nines. Um, some of the ladies are very impressive. Oh, a lot of the guys scrubbed up pretty well as well. Usman Khawaj looking very dapper in that red the, velvet the people's jacket. Chair. The people's That's chair. That's very Muhammad Ali, that jacket, wasn't it? Um, mm. And on the whole, I agree with where most of the awards went, but yeah, I just can't abide Warner and Stoinis winning the, no. the T20ones when you had some really standout performances from bowlers that just yeah. didn't get any love. And yeah, the Stoin, he just doesn't do it probably anymore, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, that will do us for this episode. Uh, we're right on the doorstep of the Indian Tour, like we said at the beginning. Uh, next week, we will do a preview of the... Indian tour, the four tests over there, covering everything from our predictions to critiquing the Aussie uh, preparations for the series. Having a look at the Indian players, who they're going to. I'm actually doing a little bit of research at the moment because I think they're going to throw up a couple of surprises in their team. Well, they've got the squad out, so we'll delve into that and see what we think the best squad for the Indians is going to be. I have to go with the relative unknown Teeper. Yeah. I think they've moved on from Saha. Yeah, I don't think Saha yeah. was included. Yeah, Saha wasn't yeah. included. And Rishabh Pan obviously, obviously is still Pan recovering is from the that. first choice. Mm. Um, yeah, so it would be interesting to see. It's uh, all to look forward to. But until then, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.